that we find these disciples, and specifically Peter, you know we're always picking on Peter. Specifically Peter, we find him in. Now this is immediately before Jesus goes to be crucified, immediately before they find him in the garden. And and Jesus has already told his disciples that this is going to happen. He has told his disciples that this is coming. He has told his disciples that this has to happen. Uh, He he told them, and I think it's in the book of John, he said, am I not to drink of my father's cup? This is my job. This is the reason I came. This has to happen. And we're going to pick up reading here. They had just got through uh, with what we consider to be the communion service. And uh, they they went out uh, into the Mount of Olives. In verse 27, we're going to pick up. Jesus said unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. Now Jesus is telling of what's going to happen whenever they come to get him and come to take him. And he said, here's what's going to happen. Whenever they take me, all of you are going to leave. And it's Old Testament prophecy being fulfilled here. And he said, whenever, whenever you come against the obstacles, whenever you come to tribulation, whenever you come to trials, whenever it comes to me, he said, you're going to be offended. You're going to be ashamed. You're not going to want anything to do with me. And he's, he's looking toward all of them leaving and either, either, even Peter denying him. And Peter said in verse 29, he said, But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet not, yet will not I. Tonight I want to look at seven steps that Peter took, all seven of them going downhill, and how we as Christians can avoid them because every single one of them lead in a direction that is opposite of God. They all lead in a direction that is away from Him, away from communion with the brethren, away from Christianity, away from spirituality, away from His Word, away from fellowship with each other. They all lead away from everything else. And if you look very carefully at each one of these, every single one of them are promoted by the world today. Every step that Peter took is promoted by by self-help books, by career and life coaches, by a lot of school counselors, by preachers that want you to live your best life, by therapists and by psychologists and by every other book that you can pick up. And yet, God says that there are downfalls if we're not very, very, very careful. And the first we find find here in Peter in verse 29, Peter said, Jesus, I know that you said this. Jesus, I know that, that, that you've promised this. Jesus, I know that your word is real, but you're wrong. Can you imagine telling Jesus you're wrong? Can you imagine telling Jesus that, that Peter has seen all of this that Jesus has done? Peter has seen everything that Jesus ever said come true. Can you imagine telling Jesus you're wrong? Peter said, although everybody else will leave. He said, I will not. The number one uh, trait that we have, our number one step down the hill, down the slippery slope for Peter, was self-confidence. Now, isn't that preached in this world today that you're supposed to have self-confidence? That you're supposed to be confident in yourselves? And, and whenever I was teaching school, that's one thing that the principals harped on, is you have to build up these kids' self-confidence. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to have self-confidence. I'm saying that the number one person that we're supposed to have confidence in is not self. I'm not saying that self-confidence can hurt you. I'm saying that confidence in only yourself will hurt you. Because our confidence is not supposed to be just in us. It is supposed to be in Jesus Christ. 
Our trust is not supposed to be just in us. It's supposed to be in Jesus Christ because in and of ourselves, what can we accomplish? Not a whole bunch. But in and through Jesus Christ, what can we accomplish? Anything that He allows us to. And so Peter's first step down this slippery slope was he said, though everybody else for, uh, leaves you, though everybody else be offended, Jesus, I will not. Though everybody else leaves you, I will not. Though everybody else denies you, I will not. Jesus said, verily I say unto thee, that this night, this day, even in this night before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Jesus said, Peter, not only are you going to be offended by me, but he said before the, before the rooster crows, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Not just once. Three times. Jesus said, Peter, if you want to stand up and you want to make a big deal about how Christian you are, about how wonderful you are, about how confident you are, he said, I'm going to make an example of you. And you're going to deny me three times. Self-confidence can lead to, can lead to, well, let's go ahead and read it. Proud boasting, verse 31. But he spake more, how often do y'all use the word vehemently? Never. Vehemently means more than ever before. It means in an extremely exaggerated manner. Not exaggerated like sarcastic, but exaggerated like if you were to stand up there and, sing, and trying to sing and you're humming and humming and humming, and then all of a sudden you burst out and you sing to the top of your lungs, you are singing more vehemently, more uh, uh, pushing the envelope, just more and more and more and more. And so Peter kept saying, Jesus, I will not, 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 I will not. I have confidence in you. I have confidence in me. Jesus, I am proud of my Christianity. Jesus, I am proud of where I'm at. Jesus, I am good. I am great. I am awesome. I, I can take care of it. Don't you worry about me. And that's where the world wants you to be today. That is exactly where the world wants you to be. The world wants you to be so confident and the devil wants you to be so confident in yourself that you look up and you say, God, you can't knock me down. That's what Peter did. Peter stood up and said, God, you can't knock me down. Jesus, you can't shake my confidence in you. Jesus, you can't shake my spirituality. The world wants us to, and Satan wants to look at us and wants us to look at God and say, God, I'm exactly where I need to be. I am. I'm all but perfect. That's what Peter's saying. That in his spirituality, he is all but perfect. Number one, he has confidence in self and not confidence in Jesus. Number two, he is boasting proudly of that confidence. And they came to the place which is named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and be very heavy. And saith unto him, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. He went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take this cup from me nevertheless. Not, thy, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Verse 37, and he came 
and findeth them sleeping. Said unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch with me one hour? The third step that we find Peter taking is a step of unwatchfulness. You know, because whenever we think that we're good, that's when we stop watching. Whenever we think that we're okay, let me put this in a different way. Whenever we don't think there's any reason to watch, we don't watch. Whenever we don't think there's anything good going to happen, whenever we don't think well, we're sitting in a deer stand and, and it's still early, the deer feeder hasn't went off, the deer aren't stirring quite yet, it's going to be time in a little while, but it's not quite time yet, so we're not watching. We're sitting there in the deer stand playing on our phone or reading a book and, and all of that. Peter found himself in a place of unwatchfulness because he had so much confidence he didn't think he could be sure. Because he was boasting to Jesus about how Christian he was, about how spiritual he was, about how uh, good he was. He, he was okay. He didn't need anything else. And then he finds himself in a place of being uh, uh, unwatchful. Whenever we find ourselves in a place of being unwatchful, that means that we are not watching for the temptation around us. We are not watching for the safety of our spirituality. We are not watching for the safety of the spirituality of our family and of our church and of our community. We are not watching, and whenever we're not watching, the devil slips in. How many of you have roaches in your house? Nobody's ever found a roach in their house? It must just be me. Every single morning whenever we wake up, as I walk through the house... I see at least one dead roach every morning, bar none. We've been living in that house since March we moved in. Every single morning, without fail, there's another dead roach on the ground, which is a good thing because it's dead, right? I put out traps. I put out bait. We spray all the time. Bailey and Brady have eaten multiple dead roaches. We can't get to them quick enough. And we just, and we're, we just can't keep them out. I have sprayed, I have sprayed, I have sprayed, which the house is, is built out of wood. And, and whenever the wind blows, you can feel it. So there, there's no way that we're going to keep them out. Chances are you have spiders and roaches and bugs in your house too. You just don't want to raise your hand and get judged by all the church people. You have things in your house too. And you know how come they get in? Because you can't keep them out. Sin in our life is that way. They get in because we can't keep them out. We, we, we can't live perfectly. We can't do it. We can sit here and boast about how much we come to church, about how great and wonderful we may be, about how, Bible, how much Bible I study and about how much Bible I know and about how much I can memorize. Y'all going to have to work with me on this thing. I haven't quite got used to it yet, and it's beginning to hurt my ear just a little bit. I'm working on it, though. And, and, and we're confident about our, our, our study habits. And we're confident that, that we attend church just enough to be okay. Is there such thing as attending church enough to be okay? For those that think there are, there ain't. There's no such thing as attending church just enough to be okay. But we're not going to get on that tonight. Whenever we find ourselves attending church only when it's convenient, we're in a state of unwatchfulness. And whenever we're unwatchful, that means that that sin is getting in and we're not watching for it. You know what would happen if I didn't pick the roaches up every morning? Or if I missed one, Emily didn't pick the roaches up every morning? Today there's only one. Tomorrow there's... The next day there's... I've been in that house since March. How many days is that? March, April, May, June, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. 
Nine months at 30 days. 300 and what? 2,270 roaches. 270 roaches. 270 roaches. And so if we're not watching for them, if, if I'm not picking them up every day, they are accumulating. 270 roaches. Now y'all think that I'm exaggerating when I say there's a new dead one every single day, but I'm not. Every single day there's a new dead roach in that house. And if we're not very careful, they will begin to accumulate. They will stack up. And sin in our life is the same way. If we do not watch, if we do not take care of our family, if we do not take care of our spirituality, if we do not take care of our house, if we do not take care of our church, sin will creep in before we don't know it. We are knee deep in roaches. How does sin creep into our life? Same way roaches do. They come in every which way. Every which way. There is nowhere in your life that is safe from Satan outside of God. They creep in. They used to creep in in, in simple ways like, like school. But now school ain't that bad because everybody has a cell phone. Everybody has TVs. They play video games. and You walk around at ball games and you hear worse talk than you ever thought you'd ever have to hear in your life. You sit at the football game and, and the whole time in, in Pine, Louisiana, you sit at the football game and whenever the wind blows, you smell weed smoke. Life is changing. Things are different. Since my, uh, in my entire high school career, I was never offered drugs, not every time. I never laid eyes on them in school, ever. Pine wasn't a bad place to be. Kids today in junior high school not only have been offered, they have given it a shot. They've given it a try. Places that roaches and sin used not to creep in our life, they're there now. They're there now. Because we have a wealth of information, which is a good thing, in our pocket most of the time. This is one of the easiest avenues for sin to creep in our life that there is. It's all over. It's everywhere. It's one of the easiest ways for us to get distracted from God. For us to to get a hope to something and and to begin gossiping godly. For us to access things that we know we ought not access. Talk to people and about people we know we ought not be doing. And in just a minute, if we're not watching, if we're not careful, if we're not taking account of our soul and of our life, Sin will creep in our life and we're knee deep in sin and cockroaches. It's easy to let that happen. Peter did it. And if Peter can do it, Peter, he's in the New Testament already, but Peter belongs every bit in Hebrews 11 as anybody else does. Peter was a hero of the faith. A hero of the faith. Matter of fact, immediately following this happening, you go read about the life of Peter after this. This experience with Christ changed everything about him. It changed his talking. It changed his writing. It changed his attitude toward others. It changed everything. This experience. Because he realized exactly how close to tumbling down that hill he was. The first step was self-confidence. The second step was proud boasting. The third step was unwatchfulness. We're going to skip down. Verse number 50. 
whenever they came to get him. It says, and they all forsook him and fled. And there followed him a certain young man having a linen cloth casted about his naked body. And the young man laid hold on him. And he left the linen cloth and struck out. He left. Peter showed. Well, let's go ahead and read it. Verse 54. We'll catch them both. Peter followed afar off. Whenever they came to get Jesus, whenever it was time to stand up, Peter followed from afar off. Look in verse 54. Peter let cowardness creep in. And then he found himself in ungodly company. Peter followed afar off even into the place, palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself as a fire. He found himself in the camp of the enemy. I told y'all that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a, a quote book. I really like quotes, especially quotes that make, make you think. Several weeks ago, Brother Terry was teaching Sunday school. And he said something, and I wrote it down in my quote book. And I put your name beside it too, because you didn't say who may have said it. He said, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. That resonated more with me today than, I, than anything did that day. It really did. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Who you hang out with shapes your life. Who you hang out with shapes your life. Yesterday, my wife went to a graduation party for one of her friends. She ran across a few people that graduated high school with her. And she said, you know what? I saw this coming. I saw this person turning out this way whenever they were in high school because they hung out with such and such. They hung out with so and so. I'm coming across people that I went to high school with that changed their friend group whenever we graduated. They changed who they hung out with. They changed who they stayed around. They changed their circle of friends and it changed them. They went from being an alcoholic to an upstanding father. They went from being a drunk to the head of a household who got their family in church. Because they changed who they hung out with. They changed their friends. And in turn, in doing that, they... They invited their friends to church. You know how it's one of the easiest way to lose friends? Invite them to church. They'll stop talking to you if you ain't careful. You want to lose friends? Tell them about Jesus. Seems like that's the way to do it. What did Jesus do? The multitudes followed him. And, And look in the book of Luke. It outlines it really, really well. Throughout the whole book of Luke, it talks about Jesus having a multitude coming after him and a multitude coming after him. But after he preached, how many multitudes was left? In the book of Luke, I find zero. After he stood up and preached, after he taught on his parables, during the miracles, they was all with him. But after he stood up and called them out on their sin, after he stood up and called them out on their evil living, very few were left. Because whenever humans get convicted, they do one of two things. They listen to that conviction. They understand and submit to that conviction and change their life. Or they do like we do whenever we hear a song we don't like. We just turn the radio off. That's the two ways that humans deal with conviction. It either changes us or we change it. We turn the radio off. We quit going to that church. We quit hanging out with that people. And I wish that it was not that way. 
But that is, that is, that is human nature reaction. It's all in water. God does not mix with the flesh. As long as we have God in our life, our fleshly man, our human nature is going to hate that. And Peter found himself in ungodly company. Let's jump down <clears throat> around verse number 70. Let's back up. Verse number 66 is Peter was beneath in the palace. There came one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, Thou was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied, saying, I was not. Neither understood I what thou sayest. And he went out onto the porch and the cock crew once. And the maid saw him again, and he began to say unto them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after they stood at the place and said again unto Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeth thereto. Your speech deceives you, Peter. The way that you talk, the way that you act, we can tell that you're different, and he began to curse. He denied God. Period. He unequivocally, without question, denied God. Now, this is one of God, one of Jesus' favorite disciples. Because everybody has favorites, right? I'm not going to tell you which one of you is my favorite, but I have favorites. Jesus had favorites. Three of them. Peter, James, and John. Of those three, we understand he had he had a favorite in them too. But Peter was one of the three favorite disciples of Jesus. He was used in a great way in Jesus' life from the very beginning to the very end. Where he was crucified like Jesus. Upside down because he wasn't worthy. Peter was used in a great way. And Peter stood up here and began to curse and deny Jesus. Saying, I want nothing to do with you. Peter went from being, Jesus, I will not forsake you. Though everybody else leaves, I'm here. He went from that to cursing and denying Christ. And we don't know how long this took, but it was a very short time. I imagine that it was probably around the afternoon that Jesus went into the garden. And it was probably about dawn that the, the rooster began to crow. Even so, it's, it's less than a 24-hour period. In 24 hours, Peter went from saying, Jesus, I will not deny you, from denying him, cursing around others, and saying, I had nothing to do with this man. And we're going to go back and we're going to look seven steps. Led him from, from the top of the mountain to the bottom of the valley. And the third, we, uh, the seventh, number seven, we find in verse 72. And the second time the cock crew and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him before the cock crowed twice. Thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. Whenever we begin to walk that downward slope away from Jesus, we don't see it. We don't understand it. And whenever I tell you this, you're not going to want to believe it, especially if you're walking down that way right now. But it always leads to weeping. Always. 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 When I was a kid, my grandpa used to host these drug awareness things at the Pine Seafood. 
And, and I don't remember very much about him. I was, I was very small. I was, I was little. But I remember the, the, this man stood up and he didn't have a job. A bottom job. He didn't have one. He didn't have one at all. And he stood up and he began to give his testimony. And he said there was nothing like being high. He said there was nothing like But he said every single time he regretted it. Every time. There were men that stood up and said that there was nothing like the high that they got from alcohol. They said that was the most intense pleasure. And they said there is nothing in their life that they regretted more than every sip they'd ever taken. Because no matter how great and no matter how awesome it may be in the moment, there's weeping in the morning. There's weeping the next day. There's weeping where it leads to. There's nothing but destruction. There's nothing but sorrow. There's nothing but pain. There's nothing but death whenever we walk away from Jesus Christ. And that is walking toward anything in this world. One of the greatest pandemics to circulate America right now is sexual immorality. It's the greatest pandemic. It really is. Every single step that direction is a step away from God. Every single step into sin is a step away from God. Every step into alcoholism is a step away from God. Every step into drug addiction is a step away from God. We don't know where it's leading, but I, I promise you it's leading to weeping. Every single time without faith. But it didn't start that way. Jesus, uh, Peter's journey started with him being a stand-up Christian. You can be a stand-up Christian tomorrow and, uh, in bad, uh, today in, in bad shape tomorrow. That's how quick it can happen. If it can happen to Peter, it can happen to us. Peter found himself, Jesus, don't worry about it. I'm good. Jesus, don't worry. I'm good. Jesus, though everybody else forsakes you, I'm good. His self-confidence level was through the roof, but our confidence is not supposed to be in self. It's supposed to be in Jesus. Number two, Peter began to brag about it, boast about it. He said it more vehemently. He said, though everybody else deny you, God, Jesus, I will not. I will not leave you. And because of that, he found him himself in a place that, that he thought he was okay. Y'all told your kids a story about the tortoise and the hare, right? The rabbit found himself in a place that he was so far ahead. I, I still can't figure this out. Why not rest on the other side of the finish line? But as Christians, we do the same thing. This rabbit found himself so far ahead, he said, that turtle ain't never going to catch up with me. So he kicked back in his reclining chair and fell asleep. Then lost. Whenever we get to a place that we are no longer watchful of the sin coming in our life, whenever we get to the place that we are no longer careful about what we intake, whenever we're no longer careful about what our kids are exposed to, whenever we're no longer careful about what we expose ourselves to, whenever we are no longer careful about the sin creeping in our life due to spiritual immorality, due to spiritual slowfulness, due to a lack of study, due to a lack of church attendance, due to a lack of of fellowship with other believers, due to a lack of prayer time. Whenever we find ourselves, but Jesus, I'm okay, I don't need it. That's a lie. We need it. We need more prayer time. We need more study time. We need less of whatever else, of everything else. 
We need more of Jesus. We need more of God. We need more of the Word. We need more fellowship. We need more uh, of God in our life. We need less of everything else. But as long as Satan can keep our mind distracted and keep us not watching, 270 roaches, if we're not watching, to pick them up and throw them out every day. Every day. Peter found himself in the place of a coward whenever he realized whenever he realized that it was time to stand up for Jesus. Peter found himself in bad company. Ungodly company. And if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Peter found himself surrounded by people that wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And whenever he found himself in that company, he succumbed to their belief. He succumbed to what they were believing and what they were talking about. And he began to talk like them and he began to act like them. And you see this all the time. A friend of mine several years ago started a new job. And where he was, he was teaching. He was teaching with me. He was a good guy. Every morning we, we both had the same off period and I've always used that time. Every, everywhere that I've taught, I've had first period on. And I always use that time to study my Bible. It's a solid hour. Most of the time, I can lock my door and keep everybody else out of the classroom. And I never did really plan for my lessons. I studied for that hour. And whenever he came to, to Varnado, where I was at, we began to study together. We began to read together. And then we began to fellowship with each other in the mornings. And he left that job. He went to work in a different field. He wasn't still teaching anymore. Whenever he left and began to work in that different field, he quit going to church because the people he hung out with wasn't church people. He began to use language that nobody ought to use, let alone here. But that's what he was around every day. It was normal. It was okay. It was all right in the environment that he was in. And whenever we find ourselves in that environment, it is imperative that we get out. Associate yourself with church people. Associate yourself with Christians. Associate yourself with God. Associate yourself with the Bible. Not with the Word. Peter said found himself in utter and complete denial of Jesus Christ. And that led to weeping. Whenever Peter realized what he had done. Whenever Peter, Peter realized where he was at. Whenever Peter realized... I just denied my Lord and Savior. Not only that, he told me I was going to do it and I called him a liar. Peter went out and wept and I don't believe that his weeping stopped that evening or that morning. I don't believe that he just cried for a minute and moved on. I believe that it was weeping that he carried with him for the rest of his life knowing what he had done. Sin will take you farther and you ever want to go. Keep you longer than you ever want to stay. And cost you more than you ever want to pay. And the problem is it don't have to. All of my life I've heard a saying and I don't remember exactly how it goes. I'm going to try to quote at it. It says smart people learn from their mistakes. Really smart people learn from other people's mistakes. 
I've always liked that. Because as Christians, if we can learn from Peter's mistakes, we may take that first step. We may take that second step. But before we get to denying Jesus Christ, something ought to catch us. That watchfulness ought to hold us and and grab us back and keep us from falling. Because I tell you, that is a slippery, slippery, slippery slope. Was out here talking yesterday, Brother Stanley coming, was pressure washing the the front porch, and and, and I got the water hose from him, and we turned it off. We was talking about something, brother. And and I told him what my uncle said during COVID. He said, the the more you miss church, the less you miss church. And he kind of chuckled. He said, that's absolutely right. And it is. It's easy to come to church when you want to be here. So why does it get hard to come to church? Does that motivation change? Has our desire to worship God changed? Has His commandment to honor and worship Him, to study His Word, to assemble with believers, has that changed? We know God hasn't changed. We know Christ hasn't changed. We know His Word hasn't changed. So what has changed? It's individuals. Us, me, you. Whenever we find ourselves making excuses not going to church. Whenever we find ourselves making excuses, I'm not going to read my Bible. Whenever we find ourselves, I, 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 don't, I don't need to study. I, I'm, I'm pretty good. You can do that on a math test. You can't do that with God. You can choose not to study for an English test, but you can't choose not to study the Bible. Because I promise... You don't know it all. I don't either. Chances are whenever we get to 100, Brother Randy, we still ain't going to know it all. That ought not stop us from trying. My prayer is that we wouldn't find ourselves in a place of boasting. That we wouldn't find ourselves in a place of self-confidence. That we wouldn't find ourselves especially in a state of unwatchfulness. Knowing that the devil would love nothing more than to tear his church apart. That Satan would love nothing more than to tear your family apart. My family apart. That Satan would love nothing more than to shut it all down. He would love for you never to open your Bible again. He would love for you never to pray again. Satan would love for you to never darken the door of a church for the rest of your life. You know why? Because if you don't, he won. Because if you give up, he won. Because if you deny Christ, he won. And and you can never help, you can never influence, you can never bring to Christ another person for as long as you live. If you quit, if you give up, if you deny Christ, if you fall down that slippery slope as Peter did, you can't help anyone else. And a lot of times we pick on Peter. This evening I want to look at something. Let's go to Acts. Did y'all notice something we don't have in here? Anybody want to take a stab at it? In here. It usually hangs on the back wall, and we don't have one. We don't have a clock. That means I got all night. Yeah, definitely knows. Okay. Acts chapter number two. Peter began to preach. Peter began to teach. Peter begin to be used of God. Verse number 14. Let's, let's start verse number 1. Acts chapter 2. 
And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one court in one place and suddenly there came from heaven. It is amazing what can happen whenever you get a group of believers in one place, in one accord, in one mind, worshiping, praising, and desiring for a blessing from God. And then in verse number 12, let's back up to verse number 12. Yeah, verse number 12. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying to one another, what meaneth this? What, where, what in the world is happening? He's talking about the disciples here are speaking in, in, in what we consider speaking in tongues. They were preaching and every man was hearing in his own tongue. Thankful, thankful to the Holy Ghost. But Peter stood up. They said, these men are full of new wine. These men are, are drunk. They, they, they don't understand what they're doing. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, and he began to preach what is considered to be the sermon at Pentecost. Now this isn't very long after Peter denied Jesus. Meaning that we don't have to stay in that state. Meaning that if you have backslid, meaning that you, if you have taken a step down that road, meaning that if you have denied Christ, if, if you have found yourself at a point of weeping because of all the decisions you have made, you don't have to stay there. Peter didn't stay there. Staying there is a choice. Staying there is a, is a conscious decision that you make to sit there and have a pity party and say that I don't want nothing else to do with it. I am finished. I am done. Did Job do that? Job lost everything. He was sitting there scraping the boils from his skin, rubbing ashes on them so they didn't hurt so bad. He had lost everything in this world. And his wife looked at him and said, why don't you just curse God and die? He lost everything he ever had. And Job said, naked came I into this world, naked will I leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job said, I will not quit, I will not finish. Peter said that I will not quit, but I will come back better than ever. Peter caught his second wind. And a lot of times we leave Peter weeping after he heard that rooster crow. But that is not where Peter's story ends. That is not where his spiritual walk ends. That is not where his life ends. He stood up and he preached a sermon. And at the end of it, thousands were added to the church. God moved in that place. God moved in that city. God used Peter and thousands were saved. And if you don't believe that God can use you in your life, your faith ain't big enough. If you don't believe that God can do that with us, our faith ain't big enough. We have to avoid the steps that Peter took because we are all very smart people. Not only do we learn from our mistakes, but we learn from the mistakes of others. And I pray that we can learn from the mistakes of Peter. And that if we find ourselves in a place of weeping, if we find ourselves in a place of backsliding, that we can find our way back to God. So that we can continue to be used as Peter is in the entirety of the book of Acts. While we have a verse of a song this evening, we're going to ask for a verse.